0: Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. Jihad, defined as a struggle or fight against the enemies of Islam. Boko Haram, Hamas, ISIS, the Taliban. What is the final
1: jihad? Thank you. Thank you very much. Please, thank you. It's a great honor to be here and speak to you this afternoon. I hope uh, all of you made it back from lunch. No casualties outside. Today's a very unique day for me. 20 years ago, I was watching those two towers falling down from across the Hudson. I was on them the night before. In fact, 20 years ago, I got to know Gia because I was at her church in New Jersey when that happened. Let's pray, Father, we thank you for your word. We know that all things eventually are under your control we ask that today you will continue to bring comfort to the families of the victims and continue to show everyone around the world that we need to put our trust in you and not in any human government or military we thank you that the lion of the tribe of judah indeed is worthy and he's victorious, and he can open that scroll. And uh, now we ask that you will bless your word, bless the hearers of your word, and may your word will never come back void. It will go and achieve that which it was sent for. And we ask that in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. So 20 years ago, Radical Islam came for a visit and I was uh, this is the first time I ever Traveled from Israel to America just with one message for one church. I never ever Had that urge to do so because you know the travel time and you don't want to do that for just one place You want to make sure you you know redeem your time in the best way possible but i had that urge and i i couldn't explain and i got on the plane and i remember uh, i shared a message on 9 9 that was sunday it was a small church small calvary chapel and the name then the title of the message was will there be peace and i actually shared about the coming Islamic attack on America. Nobody bought the tape. <laughs> Those were the days America was in Lala Land. Um, and, and 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 I tell you why, you see, in my Israeli mindset, I've watched for several years the calling of Osama bin Laden to destroy America and to attack America. And uh, it it was, to me, it it was coming, it's around the corner. They they tried everything. And so when we made it to Manhattan and I was on those towers, and I asked my host if something is going to hit those buildings from the top, because I know they tried it from underneath in 1993. Six people got killed, over a thousand people were injured. Uh, Ramzi Yusuf, that um, a terrorist, fled to Karachi, Pakistan, right after that. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, what's going to stop them from doing that again? But now, even in a more spectacular way, because in between 1993 and 2001, they were already thinking and plotting to use airplanes. And I probably you never heard of that, but that same Ramzi Yusuf, Realizing he he cannot kill that many, he he wanted to kill Jews, by the way. He thought that the two towers are filled with Jews. And he realized he killed six people, none of them was a Jew. And so he went all the way to the Philippines to try to plot a new thing. And that's when the interesting name, Bojinka. How many of you heard the Bojinka plot? Bojinka is a big bomb in Serbian, and he gave that operation that he's about to execute, the Bojinga plot. And he thought, I can smuggle to 12 different flights, explosive, fluid explosive, and I can, on the plane, connect it to a detonator and to a Casio stopwatch, and let's see if it works. He actually tried it in a a theater, it worked, and then he tried it on a Filipino airliner and he put it in the flotation device, and there was an explosion, but thankfully that airplane managed to land. And he came to Osama bin Laden, who actually came all the way to Afghanistan in 1984 already. Five years after the Soviet invaded into Afghanistan, and three and a half years after America started aiding the Mujahideen to kick the Soviets out. CIA was deployed in in Afghanistan and supplied the Mujahideen with Stinger missiles, shoulder missiles, to shoot down all the helicopters of the Soviets. And that's when the Soviets eventually, in 1989, left 10 years later. But in between Osama bin Laden, a rich Saudi, who is so amazed by what Islam is calling him to do, brought his money and his enthusiasm to Afghanistan. He's the one who actually recruited Muslims from different Islamic countries, not the Afghans. And side by side with the newly emerged Taliban, Al-Qaeda was born as well. And Al-Qaeda originally was born to kick foreign occupiers from Muslim countries. So what do you do? You operate in Afghanistan, you operate in Philippines, you operate in in, in different parts of of Muslim world, and even in Saudi Arabia, because you believe that uh, you first topple those governments and then they become radical Muslims, and then you move on and on and on, and eventually you will create an Islamic state. When you realize that it's not happening, He changed tactics, and he thought, I'm going to cut the head of the snake by attacking America directly and causing America to retreat from different parts of the world where Muslims predominantly live. So Ramzi Yusuf comes to Osama bin Laden with an idea. Look, there's the Twin Towers. We tried from underneath. It's not working. I have a better plan, I can execute the Bojinka plot, which was supposed to happen in January of 1995, by the way, just, so you know, 12 passenger planes on their way from Southeast Asia to America were supposed to explode. And part of the plot was to assassinate the Pope of that time. It was discovered. So in my mind, my Israeli mind, I'm thinking they already have the capability of blowing up planes. They already want to bring down the the two towers. By the way, in his mind, I'm bringing down one tower and that tower will hit the other one. And the Hudson's water will overflow and destroy the foundations and that's it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Osama bin Laden summoned Ramzi Youssef again in 1998. And eventually, in 1999, this whole thing started being, uh, uh, you know, something that is operational. And believe it or not, America, three weeks before 9-11, even arrested one of those pilots. You know, they trained them to fly. And, uh, And he's a pilot from another wave that was supposed to happen two months later. But because the FBI and the CIA didn't really like each other, the laptop of that guy has never been checked. And everything was on it. So in my mind, all the dots are there. I just tried to draw the lines. And so I'm asking, if something hit it, what's going to happen? And my host said, you know, those steel beams, if once they melt, the whole building will just collapse like a stack of cards. The next morning, we wake up to this reality. Radical Islam came to a visit, and for the first time opened the eyes of the Americans to the fact that the Mujahideen to whom you assisted in the 80s in Afghanistan, they are not in love with you. And it's because the religious affiliation, the religious calling, cannot even afford that option. You need to understand, in Afghanistan alone, there's about 14 different tribes. They speak different languages, different customs. And you need to understand, the Pashtuns are just one. They don't even have the same language, they don't have anything in common. So what are you going to do? You see, American people, they're wonderful people, but is a wonderful country, and America is a melting pot. Life, happiness, and the pers- life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's who you are. People from all over the world left everything, and they moved to the new world. This new world right here. New country, new values, everything is different here. You have public schools, I'm talking about when originally they were okay. <laughs> and you know, the public schools are melting pots, and you know, the military, you have the universities, you have, you know, two, three generations later, it, to see Asian marries a Caucasian, and a black marries an Asian, it, it, it's, it's okay, that's a melting pot. It's just a place where all people can live together. So Americans, things like Americans, and they go to the Middle East, And they say to the Middle East, to every country where they are, why can't you live together? It's not working like that. Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, amazing. And you've got a country that you negotiate with today that is the largest sponsor of terrorism in the world. And it has a role in not stabilizing, but destabilizing the entire Middle East. And take a look at the proxies that Iran has managed successfully to create in different parts of the world. In Lebanon, it's the Hezbollah, as you can see. In Yemen, it's the Houthis. In Syria, they have uh, militias that are made of Afghans and Pakistanis, the Fatimiyun and the Zinabiyun. You have in Iraq, Hashd al shabi the popular uh, congregation. And you have in the uh, Gaza and the West Bank, you have uh, some organizations that Iran is assisting, just so it will be destabilized. And then, 20 years after America, decided to remove the Taliban, because the Taliban was where terrorism was brewing. Every known terrorist was actually in Afghanistan in those days, training. And that's a few weeks ago, the incompetence that we saw. And that's August in Afghanistan. And we all saw what happened, I don't need to tell you. I don't need to, to show you the 300,000 policemen and army mili- military people with weapons that countries wish they had. All of that disintegrated within two hours. Why? Because the Taliban infiltrated into that military on one side, and on the other side, the Taliban, for the last few months, was carefully not to kill any an American soldier, but they killed Afghan soldiers all the time, telling them, you better be careful. When America is out, we are slaughtering you. So what did they do? They, <laughs> the minute America left, they dropped the weapon, took off those uniforms, and just took off and ran away. That's it. If you think that's the end, wait for December in Iraq. December 31st, America is leaving Iraq as well. It is it. That's it. Just less than a year ago, a different president brought peace to the Middle East. A few months ago, Arab Muslim countries signed peace with Israel. Just to show you that the identity of the person in the White House, in the Oval Office, matters. And I believe that the identity of the person in the governor's mansion here also matters. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 verse 2, Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Proverbs 29 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Isaiah 520, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness to light and light to darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This whole world is upside down. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune which they have prescribed, the Bible says in Isaiah. So I thought, you know, it might be worth the while to at least educate people on what jihad is all about because obviously they don't understand the bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge they are perish for lack of knowledge and you know, i know that when hosea wrote that it was about israel and it was for many other things but you know this is a principle that you can actually find everywhere Make no mistake, Jihad, this holy war, comes from the Arab root of the word, effort, to make an effort. Effort for what? To spread Islam and make Allah's word superior and make the infidels God's inferior. That's what it's all about. It's very interesting because Jihad is not only about blowing up planes. It's not only about killing people, not at all. Jihad, the effort, is in so many different things. Take a look at this list. These are all forms of jihad. Immigration. Not every Muslim that migrate to other countries is a jihadist. But the jihadists look at immigration as an opportunity. To start a mosque, and then a school, and then a kindergarten. Before you know it, they're going to tell you, we're going to dominate you. We're going to take over. And these are in all over Europe, and all over um, uh, in France, and in Britain, and in Belgium. And and that's it. They're marching in the streets and they're saying, you're next. A form of immigration, a form of jihad is immigration. And again, don't make me... Don't be mistaken, not every Muslim that immigrates is a jihadist, but when the jihadists immigrate, it is to promote this. There's a jihad in education. They build schools in which they indoctrinate the people, the children, that there's only one way to live, and that's to make an effort to bring the word of Allah. Above everybody else, above everything else. There is a jihad in media. I don't know if you know that, but Al Jazeera, that is based in Qatar. Make no mistake, they are even calling themselves a media jihad. Yusuf Al kardawi the main cleric of, of, of radical Islam from Egypt, is having weekly sermons on Al Jazeera, where he actually says Al Jazeera is our media jihad. There's economic jihad, where you boycott places that hurt Muslim, uh, Muslim causes, and you encourage business with places that are donating for the Muslim causes. If you can't do all of those, pray. And they actually say you can actually be a jihadist even if you just pray. Again, you are making an effort. But if you have the opportunity and that's something that is going to be beneficial for the spread of Islam and making Allah's word above everything else, then by no means you should take the jihad of the sword as well. And we see that every week, and every month, and every year, all around the world. (laughs) And who are those people? You're asking yourself, who is the person that wakes up in the morning and goes to blow himself up? Well, he's called Shaheed, martyr. But the word Shaheed, it means a witness, to witness. Either he can... Witness Allah in paradise because he goes directly to paradise. Or Allah can witness him when he shows up in paradise. Or Allah will testify of this man's heroic death. Heroic death. When our God says not to kill, not to murder. When our God is saying actually choose life. When our God gave his only begotten son. So we can live, not die, here. Allah will testify of his heroic death. And you know, you think about the things that are being promised. He, is, he promises the Shaheeds in paradise all that it is denied, he's denied access to in this world. Don't worry, you can have everything in paradise. Hmm. So think about Islam born in in the desert in the 7th century. Think about the tribal community. Think about the fact that unless you you have allegiance to your tribe, that's it. You're gone. Think about the fact that it's a dry land. Think about the fact that you look at every stranger as a potential person to destroy you and kill you. And think about the things that you're being taught from age one. One is if you kill yourself for Islamic cause and you are a jihadist and you are a martyr, a shaheed, you will automatically go to paradise without judgment. Number two, you will enjoy all that is forbidden in this world. One of the things that jihad, that the Radical Muslims look at the Westerners as you're drunk, drunkards. You're, you drink alcohol, you're. Look at you. They looked at the, at the Soviets as drunkards in those days, and then the Americans came and it's the same for them. You drink alcohol, you're defiled. Well, guess what? They're promised alcohol in heaven. Ooh. Now, watch this. The Shahid, now think about it. this guy lives in a cave, now watch this. He sits, when he reaches heaven, paradise, on a golden throne, a crown on his head made of stones, each of which is worth more than the entire world. Their hadith says that a tree full of fruit is right at his, at his height, so he, he won't even have a, make an effort to reach out to that, and, and, and then the fruit is right there. And there's, you know, rivers all around, good smell. But the best of the best is: Allah gives him 72 30-year-old, dark-eyed, fair-skinned virgins as wives. Some say he's 30 to 33, not sure. All of which have permanent makeup. They never eat, they never drink, they have never experienced, you see what it is on <laughs> the... They're always clean, they're always beautiful, they're always ready. Their skin is tight, their skin is almost transparent. In the Quran, they say that you can actually, he can see himself like a mirror. Pure ready for him at any time, and somehow, they always remain virgins. (laughs) Now comes probably the most, if that's so flesh and flesh, watch this now. He gets to advocate for 50 of his family members, so they will be allowed into paradise on Judgment Day. Think about it, that little boy, he's saying, if I'm dead, I get this, 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 but I'm also the savior of my entire family. you, You think that an American with money boosts your economy, build your schools, build your kindergarten, give the women rights to go to... Are you kidding me? He looks at you as people who paved his road to hell. In his mind... That's paradise. And if he kills himself, he is also saving his entire family. Now, you probably you sit here and you're laughing, but I want to show you from age zero almost. There's two books that they're always being taught from. I'm not talking about the Quran right now or the Hadith. Look, there are books that are talking about the advantages of paradise with rivers and it's all green. Now, he lives in the desert. That's not for someone who lives in Oregon. (laughs) This, look, for him, it's life that he's never seen. And of course, that jar is for alcohol. If that's not enough on the right, nar the hell that is promised to anyone who is not making an effort for spreading Islam. And one of the things is, you fall. 40 years you're in a free fall until you get to hell. 40 years! Can you can you imagine the, the strength of your impact when you reach? 40 years free fall down to hell. From a young age. And you come and telling life, Freedom, pursuit of happiness, you speak American to them. That's the language that they understand. The Muslim Brotherhood is everywhere. And on their logo, there's those two swords that are nothing but to chop heads, of course. But then underneath, there's an Arabic word. Many people were wondering, what is it all about? The word is wa'idu, which means prepare. But that's the only time, one time it appears in the whole Quran, wa'idu. Prepare what? Well, that's the verse. Prepare for them, whatever you can, weapons and horses, in order to sow terror in the hearts of yours and Allah's enemies, the infidels. It's a commandment. We exist to prepare to sow terror in all of you. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood started in 1920s in Egypt, when when England, when the British Empire was still controlling it. Then they thought, we'll kick them out of Egypt. Of course, many movements came from the Muslim Brotherhood during the 50s and 60s and 70s. Al-Qaeda is only from 1984. It's the grandchild. And ISIS, by the way, is the great-grandchild. By the way, Osama bin Laden never thought that you start with an Islamic State. He says, you take over this, and this, and this, and this, and eventually you will form an Islamic State. ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi thought, no, reverse it, start an Islamic State, call it an Islamic State, and then start spreading out. That's the difference between the two. They don't really like each other, by the way. They look at uh, people that were they, they conquer Ahel al which means you are under their protection. You're not Muslims, but in order to stay alive, you need to agree that Islam is superior, Allah is superior, Allah's word is superior, and you need to pay tax in order to stay alive. By the way, they have a little hard time with uh, Muslims and Jews because Muslim, excuse me, Christians and Jews, because Christians and Jews are known as Ahl al Kitab, the people of the book, the family of the book. Because you have a book that obviously says that there is only one God. Therefore, you can stay alive. We don't have to kill you immediately. Thank you. <laughs> but when you try to understand, Peace, you need to understand, there is no such thing between a Muslim and a non-Muslim that is called peace. What am I trying to say? In 622 AD, Muhammad understands that he's too weak and he's too unpopular in Mecca. He was actually driven out and he migrated to Medina, the second largest city. And that was the hijra, the migration into Medina. And for probably six years, he's plotting, how am I going back to Mecca and conquer and kill everyone there, or convert them to Islam, whatever works. Well, he goes on a march uh, uh, to, towards Mecca, and the Qurayesh tribe of Mecca sends their soldiers, and they meet next to a small village called Hodaibiye in 628. Muhammad is looking and he's seeing that the Quraysh tribe is way stronger than he is. And he decided, uh, let's sign a peace deal for nine years, nine months and nine days. And for the next two years, he made them think that he's keeping that deal. Month after month, the Quraysh tribe is looking around. Muhammad is not attacking. After a year, hmm, he's still a good boy. After two years, I guess he's going to keep that command, uh, that uh, deal. So they send all of their soldiers, all of their camels to the trade routes, different parts. And when he saw that they're weak, 630 A.D., he conquered Mecca, killed any, on any opposition, converted to Islam anyone who was willing to, unless, of course, they died. And that's it. That's the Hodaibiya Treaty. What does it mean? It means that what you sign on worth nothing. The first opportunity that you have, what are you going to do? Take over. Why am I telling you that? Because in 1979, Jimmy Carter, your president, brokered a peace deal between Israel and Egypt. And Anwar Sadat, Muslim guy, he's saying to himself, wait a minute, Am I allowed to have treaty with the Jews? He went to Al-Azhar, the Islamic institute in Egypt, and they decided you can, it will be exactly like the Hudaybia treaty. Don't worry. He signed the deal. 1994, the Oslo Accord slick Billy um, put Israel and the Palestinians together. Slick Willy, I think, not sure. <laughs> anyway, Yasser Arafat, a few months after, shows up in Johannesburg, South Africa and says, he compares Oslo Accord to Mohammed's Hodaibiya peace treaty, which led, of course, to the defeat of the peace partners. So now you understand who, who you're dealing with. And the reason why I'm saying that is this. We are watching right now the rise of the jihad. You are watching the the comeback of ISIS, of Al-Qaeda, of Taliban. And Iran has never been more active as it is right now in spreading terrorism. And you're asking yourself, what is going on? I thought we're done with these things. You are watching right now the last surge. And why is that? Bible prophecy has nothing to say about the nations as such in their relations to one another. You don't see a verse about America and Mexico and trade or war or whatever. You don't see a, a verse about Britain and France, or about Germany and France, you don't. Prophecy is only about the relations of those nations to Israel, the people and the land, always. In Deuteronomy 32, verses 8 to 9, when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob is the place of His inheritance. The key to all prophecy is the Jew. What are you talking about, Willis? (laughs) If the Jewish nation had not forsaken God and neglected the Sabbaths, there would have been no times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles began when God transferred rule from the kings of Israel to the Gentile king Nebuchadnezzar, and they will continue until Israel again becomes the head of the nations. When will Israel become the head of the nations? The Bible says in, Rome, in Romans 11, when Israel will be saved. When will Israel be saved? When Jesus comes back. When will he come back? After the tribute. Thank you. After the tribulation, I didn't ask when will the rapture happen, because that's not something that we know. But I know that seven years after the tribulation begins, it ends. How do you know that? The Bible tells me. And when Jesus comes back, He's not coming back for us, He's coming back with us. Wait. And He's landing on where? Mount Rushmore? No, where? Mount of Olives. And the Bible says, they look at me whom they pierce, and they will mourn, and they will cry. And that's the repentance of the remnant of Israel. And all Israel will be saved. The times of the Gentiles will come to an end. I didn't say that. Paul said that. Jesus told him. Ladies and gentlemen. And so when everybody's... In the the radical Islamic world, is watching the weakness of America. Because America, by the way, make no mistake, you have the strongest military in the world. You have the most sophisticated military in the world. You have an amazing military. It's just that, at the moment, your commander-in-chief is not awake (laughs) half of the time. Now, listen, listen to me, folks. When Now, it doesn't matter if you're strong, as long as you're perceived weak, that's what matters. And at the moment, I'm I'm sure you all know, you are being perceived weak. Although you are strong, you're being perceived weak. And the horrific videos that we've seen, although, by the way, you've done an unbelievable job in rescuing many people, But the horrific videos that we've seen of how, from some reason, military retreat before others. You understand that in the minds of the enemies, if it's possible to defeat the great United States military, it is all the more possible to defeat Israel. Now, you must understand, in 19, Israel has gone through a journey from 1948 to 2020 and 2021 from Psalm 83 all the way to Ezekiel 38, I call it. It's a journey. Psalm 83, make no mistake, it's a description of what we were facing in 1948. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult. Those who hate you have consulted and have lifted up their head. And they have taken crafty counsel against your people. And they consulted together against your sheltered ones. Who are they? Who are his people? Who are his sheltered ones? Take a look. There's the answer. And they have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. They're your answer. Israel is a nation. There is no Afghan nation. Did you know that? There are 15 different tribal affiliations. There is no Iraqi nation, if you really think about it. There's no Iranian nation, if you really think about it. You see, it's the Western world that put together all of this, drew new maps, and that's it. And it's all falling apart in Sudan and in Yemen and in Libya. I mean, just look all around you. It's falling apart because Jesus described the end and he says, ethnos versus ethnos. It's not nation against nation in the way we see nations. It's ethnic groups against ethnic groups, tribal affiliation against tribal affiliation, and Israel is a nation. And so they say, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. When was that? The moment Ben-Gurion declared that Israel is the name of what they called for 1900 years, Palestine. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom, Ishmaelites, Moab, Hagarites, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also adjoined them and have helped the children of Lot." Ladies and gentlemen, all the names that I just read to you are the countries that were the first tier around Israel. Anywhere from Egypt to Jordan to Syria. The Lebanon and also even Iraq joined, Assyria joined. That's 1948. 1956 came and 1967 came, 1973 came. And the Egyptians gave up and the Jordanians later on gave up and they realized we can't beat them. And there's a peace accord with Egypt, peace accord with Jordan. And now Egypt buys gas, Jordan buys gas from Israel. Not just that they have peace with us, they are now buying from us the, the very basic thing for their economy. And so when we moved all the way to, you know, 70 years later, when Israel is way strong financially and militarily and technologically, look, Ezekiel 38 says. The word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog and the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Russia, Meshech and Tubal, the prophesy against him. And say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am what? I'm against you. God says to the enemies that is going to come, I'm against you. In other words, it's not going to end up good for you. Oh Gog, the Prince of Rosh, he says, he says, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with all your armies, horses, horsemen. Look what he says. He continues "says not only you, it's going to be Persia. Persia is the name of Iran of today. That's the biblical name. Ethiopia is the name of what probably Sudan is today. We're not sure because it's, it's right there, Sudan and Ethiopia area. And then Libya, he says, and are with them and all of them with the shield and helmet. Gomer and all of its troops, the house of Togarma. These are the ancient biblical names of Turkey of today. Many people are with you. You're looking and you're seeing a whole formation of, of nations that is, is coming together for a, an invasion into Israel. And what kind of reality is going to allow for this Ezekiel 38 coalition to make the move? Because the coalition is in existence already. But when will they make a move? You and I know, and we've heard that before today, under the 45th president there was no way they would have made this move. He's a strong advocate of Israel. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem, he, dec- he, de- he banished and, and, and canceled anything that has to do with Palestinian diplomatic uh, thing in Jerusalem. He declared that the Golan Heights are Israeli territory. He declared that Judea and Samaria are those settlements are legal, not illegal. That's our the, the land of our forefathers. He, he, he withdrew from the Iran deal because he could see, look, Iran is few weeks away from. Nuclear bomb. Did you know that? Even America already came to that realization right now. You're no longer interested in a deal because it's too late. They, are already made, they made a great progress for a military nuclear weapon. So what are we seeing? We're seeing the rise of radical Islam. And we're seeing the decline of the United States of America. And a weak government in Israel that is, depends on Muslim Brotherhood. In Israel the government today will not exist one more day without leaning on the votes of the Muslim Brotherhood. Do do you even understand what I said? Look what we switched from a great statesman to a crook that stole the election by what? By leaning on the votes of those who doesn't want you to even exist. So we see there's the rise of this Ezekiel 38 coalition, but how many of you read the full chapter? How many of you know the end of that coalition? (laughs) You see, everybody is, oh, they're going to they're going to be defeated. But who is going to defeat them? You see? It's not going to be Israel. It's not going to be the Israeli Prime Minister, the Israeli generals, the Israeli military, not even a single time it says that Israel will use its best weapon and thus will obliterate their, their... No, God will have to intervene. And you know, the greatest thing of all, God will intervene in a supernatural way. So no one will even be a little bit confused about who is Running the show, earthquakes, brimstones coming from... That's not a weapon Israel developed. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm puzzled at why, why so many teachers teach that the Antichrist is going to be a Muslim. Ladies and gentlemen, can a Muslim be a world leader? By definition, they are not. They, they will have to make you Muslims or kill you. Second, can a Muslim be accepted as a Messiah by the Jews? Of course not. Can a Muslim allow a Jewish temple on the Temple Mount? Of course not. But there has to be a third temple because the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in Matthew 24, Jesus, and I love how Jesus acknowledged the Old Testament prophets. And he said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by who? Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place. Let no one deceive you in 2 Thessalonians. Paul is writing to a very confused congregation over there. The thought that that's it, the rapture happened, the tribulation began. He says, no, he says, you have to understand. That day will not come. And then he moved on and he says, he's speaking of the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself about all that is called God. Or what is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. And it's the same Daniel who wrote in chapter 9 verse 27. He shall confirm a covenant. Hegbir, Brit. Hegbir means he will increase, he will make something ordinary, spectacular. What is so spectacular? For the first time, a temple will be included in the peace deal. And he confirmed a covenant with many for one week, which is a seven years period. But in the middle of that week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. That's a testimony that the temple was standing and there were sacrifices and offerings. Because he will stop it. That's why in First Thessalonians, it says concerning the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes in the thief in the night, for when they say peace and safety. See the tribulation, <laughs> you understand tribulation is, is going to be horrific. But it's the whole seven years. We live now in the days of Noah. Right now. Right now we build our ark and they're laughing at us. Right now. Noah is, an, is what? A minister of what? Righteousness. We need to be ministers of righteousness. So when you run to office, be a minister of righteousness. When you need to vote for someone who writes for, or runs for office, vote for the one who is for righteousness peace and safety, then sudden destructions come upon them as labor pains upon pregnant women, and they shall not escape. We, we can see that. And There's not going to be one world religion that we know as is right now. It's a new world religion. It's a Look what Revelation 17 says, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. And these are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. We don't see that yet. We don't see how the world is losing all the national identity, create 10 entities, and they are going to relinquish their authority to the beast yet. The beast is not here yet, the Antichrist. Remember, I'm looking at how the Afghans started an exodus, running away from the Taliban, the Antichrist is someone people will run towards not away from unless you unless you are not his ladies and gentlemen two scriptures are being used for people to claim that this guy is a muslim one In Micah 5.5, the latter part of verse 5 says that when the Assyrian comes into our land and when he treads in our places, uh, palaces, then we will rise against him seven shepherds and eight uh, uh, princely men. Well, let me tell you that this probably was fulfilled immediately by Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, who reigned from 705 to 681 BC. And then there is Ezekiel 28 verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the Prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am a God. I sit in the seats of gods in the midst of the seas. Yet you are a man and not a God, though you set your heart as the heart of a God." Well, believe it or not, the king of Tyre, Tyre was one of the most wealthiest kingdoms in those days. And he really thought he is a god. By the way, many, many kings thought that they are a god. <laughs> Last time I checked, you know, worms ate who? Herod. Why? Because people thought he is god and he never said no. Remember? Even the Caesar in Rome, when he entered into Rome, there were some clowns that would always run before him and tell him, you are not a god, you are not a god. Because they thought they are a god. They were worshipped as gods. So Tyre was destroyed twice after Ezekiel's prophecy, first by Nebuchadnezzar, and then by Alexander the Great. If you want to understand who the Antichrist is, there are th- three books that gives us a consistent picture of who he is. Daniel, 2nd Thessalonians, and the book of Revelation. Daniel, chapter 8, we read about it. In 2nd Thessalonians, we read about it. And then, of course, in Revelation 13, you see a lot of what this man is all about going to be and look I've said many things that may not sound nice I showed you that this is the last the final jihad why because the minute radical Islam is going to be defeated on the mountains of Israel in Ezekiel someone new is going to emerge into the scene and introduce a new religion to all the hundreds of millions that are going to be so confused and so desperate for for what's going on around us Ladies and gentlemen, we are not to be concerned. Jesus said, "'Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what? I will come again and what? receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also.'" Ladies and gentlemen, who is changing address here? We. He says, look, he didn't say, where you are, I will also be. He says, where I am, you will also be. He will receive us unto himself. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Look, if you try to find peace in this administration or in military powers or in the stock market or in some motivational speaking uh, 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 person or in some sugar-coated messages in some churches that are telling you that claim it, name it, you'll get it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not gonna work. Jesus said, in me, you may have peace. In the world, why, why, why are we so surprised? In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. And I wanna continue, I, I will say this, while the world is awaiting the last jihad, we are awaiting the last trumpet. And a lot of people, every Feast of Trumpets, people come to me and at the end of the Feast, they're angry and disappointed. Like, what happened? Why? What happened? Feast of Trumpets is over now. We're we're still here. Guys, the last trumpet is the trumpet of God. It's not here. It's not few Jews in a synagogue. No, it's a trumpet of God. The voice of an archangel. Is the archangel around you here? No, he's there. This is not about us preparing his return on earth. It's about heaven prepares our arrival into heaven. So the last trumpet is not to be heard here. Nobody's going to hear the trumpet here. We're going to be gone. And everybody's like, thank you, Lord. They're out of here. Let's party right now. You have to understand something. Nobody would miss you. We will be gone and we will be received with a trumpet, with the voice of an archangel. And we will be escorted in our 2,000-year-old project of mansions. And that's how it is going to be. So whenever it's hard, and it is going to be way harder, but God never promised us that things will be great. Jesus, not a single time, said, be of good cheer. In this world, you will have a garden of roses. No. <laughs> so things are going to get hard. But our mind, our heart, should be fixed on the things that are above. Set your, your, set your mind on the things which are above, where Christ is at the right hand of the Father, not on the things which are on earth. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you, Father, that we are not destined to the wrath of God. We are going to be saved and protected from the wrath that is about to come. We thank you, Father, for all your promises. We thank you, Father, that as we watch the rise of radical Islam, as we understand, maybe now, why they even think the way they think. We pray that you will reveal yourself to these people. Yeah. That uh, Jesus will be revealed to those millions of so deceived people that are, are like minions in the, in, the, in the hands of Satan. And we pray, Father, that Jesus will continue to reveal Himself in dreams and visions to tribal leaders that will show the whole tribe, Listen, Jesus is Lord and not anything else. We pray, Father, also for the salvation of Israel. We pray, Father. We know, we understand this. The tribulation will lead to their salvation eventually. But we pray that many will find you even before that. Father, we also pray for this country, for the United States of America. And as although it is on its way down, at least perceived to be so by so many, Father, your the body of Christ is alive here. And we ask that you, like never before, will reveal yourself to so many people in this country to understand that we need to put our trust not in horses and not in chariots, but trust in the name that is above all names, the name that is of the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Peace, who is the only one that can give us peace that surpasses all understanding. His name is Yeshua because He is our salvation. And in it, it is in His name that we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available in Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.